Hey guys, my name's Big Fella uh, from Big Fella Industries. Uh, I work uh, in the oil and gas industry and I'm a family man and I'm someone with a goal. for being on the show. Yeah, no worries. Really just want to go and just break down your story. Um, how you, we started from what was childhood like, your experiences growing up, and how you transitioned to Perth, and your life from thereafter to where you are now. Yeah, right, so um, originally, uh, born and bred uh, in New Zealand. I was born in Gisborne. Um, from a young age, my parents split up. Um, me and my mother, we moved down uh, south to Christchurch. So I was down in Christchurch for a long time. Uh, my stepfather there, um, step-siblings, uh, sister Anita, brother Jacob, um, lived life down there as the best we could. Um, look, life wasn't easy down there in Christchurch um, from memories, but um, obviously my parents tried to, you know, do the best that they could yeah. with what they had. Yeah. Um, back in those days, things weren't easy, jobs weren't the best, but, you know, we made it happen. Uh, anyway, um, going back to when I was seven and a half, uh, my parents, uh, uh, my original parents obviously got back together. When I was eight, I went up to Gisborne and then um, uh, my real dad uh, worked in the oil uh, industry. So he had a job uh, in Australia, so we all packed up as a family, myself, and then I met my uh, step-sibling Kaya, or Nick Kaya, and uh, we all packed up and come over to Perth. So then obviously he was working in the industry here and I didn't really gel too much with Perth. How old are you around this time? Oh, eight years old. Oh, okay. So it was pretty new coming to this, you know, they had fans in the roof to cool their house and flash cars and air cons and it was, it was a different lifestyle. So I didn't really gel with it too much. So a year later I went back and obviously lived with grandma for a while. Obviously with grandma, you're with family uh, and my aunties, they brought us up uh, within that time. And then my brother came back, so it was a pretty cool time in life. Uh, a lot of the life lessons I remember back to are those times. Um, and then, yeah, when I turned 13, I came back to Australia to start high school. Uh, here, I went to uh, Printable Catholic College. Again, um, my parents were working, Dad was offshore. My mother worked in uh, uh, old people's home, so old health. Um, so that's, we were growing up in that sort of environment, you know, we were there every day. Yeah with the old people, so it was good. You know, that, I think that's when we started seeing helping others. Gotcha. Um, that, was, that was a really good time. Uh, normal teenage years, I uh, went through to uh, year 12. Um, my stepsister had come over by then, uh, Anita. But, I mean, we say step, yeah. but we're brothers yeah. and sisters, yeah. regardless of what you say. There's no step in it. Um, you know, my sister Anita and my sister, um, my brother, Kaya, sorry, um, we all went through school. Um, they did their thing and I uh, graduated year 12. 
I was working at KFC at the time. Ooh, flipping chickens, you know, that's the way. Got to make money somehow. But, you know, we were taught from a young age that if you want something, you've got to work for it. Um, got to year 12, what do you want to be when you grow up? Well, I don't know. So um, then what I did, um, my, my uh, manager that I worked with at the time, who I really respected, he said, well, come and open a store with us and then we'll make you a manager. So, okay. KFC or? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that was my goal. Year 12, I left year 12, graduated, of course, got a bit of paper. Um, and then uh, off I went, uh, worked in KFC, opened a store, became a young manager. And then decided, hmm, this is not for me. So then I got into security. You know, so we started doing events uh, and then nightclub security. So I thought that was great. Who wouldn't? You know, you're 19 years of age yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the nightclub. Uh, it was really good, uh, good time. Met a lot of people, learnt a lot. Uh, within that, the money wasn't enough. So I was doing extra work, working in um, St. Bartholomew's Men's Home. Okay. Yep. Uh, my Uncle Pip used to be a supervisor there. So we were working with the uh, guys uh, with mental health issues. It was a men's home. Uh, very good there three and a half, four years, so I enjoyed that, but then still wanted more. Got into the armoured trucks side of things, working for Brinks okay. during the day, so that was my full-time job, that was really, really good, enjoyed it. Within that time, previously, you know, I'd been married at a young age, that didn't really work out too well, uh, and then I met a wonderful woman, uh, or a wonderful lady, yeah. I should say, Miss Lisa, um, 21 years ago, she came into my life, apparently I'd known her beforehand, which... We, we just crossed paths, you know. So, um, yeah, we, we started living together and then, you know, we're working and, and doing our thing and then, hello, the old phone call. Guess what? Oh. <laughs> that, 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 that call. <laughs> so, so, you know, when you're, you're young, you know, early 20s, you're like, oh, okay. Um, you know, we, we were managing, as it was, paying rent and food and then a little life came into our hands, which was Blade. Um, never regret anything about it. It wasn't easy. It was um, quite hard. So, um, yeah, moved from house to house, you know, trying to find that balance, and it j just really wasn't working. And then we got thrown a curveball when uh, the guys uh, got rid of our house. We had nowhere to live. So Lisa's mum, uh, Jan, she allowed us to live in the, uh, her house. It was a bit small, so we stayed in the caravan out the back. So we lived there for six, seven, eight months, and it was just really hard. And my best mate, um, Scott, um, which you'll meet today, he said, oh, look, champ, uh, go find a house that you like and uh, I'll buy it for you. You can rent it off me and then buy it when... when and that was just like the greatest gift of all. So anyway, we, we went and found this... <coughs> sorry. We went and found this house and, uh, yeah, he got it. He got it. So, uh, yeah, down the track, again, um, working in nightclubs, the owners of this um, public house, I used to work for them, okay. so in the nine clubs and, JP, and, the, and yeah, JP, JP, Danny and, and, and all the family, yeah. um, a really great family. The work that I did there, that helped us obviously with food and, and, and all the little necessities that we couldn't, because we were on, you know, a couple of bucks, just enough to pay the rent and, yeah. and food so, and fuel for the car. So it wasn't easy. I was never home for uh, Blade at the time. Blade was growing up and I, and I missed all that. Yeah. Because you're working, you know, six days a week, three nights a week. It was, it was just really hard. It's just the security. Yeah, just in the security uh, in the security phase of things. So then, uh, yeah, just one night, we had one fight too many. Yeah. And I just, is this for me? Yeah. 
and uh, I said to my mate, uh, Big Mac, I said, look, I'll go try and get a job offshore and see how that goes, and then you, maybe he goes, I'm going to go and look at the mines and we'll see what it works and we'll help each other out. Anyway, I met a guy, uh, an old friend, Craig Sparrowhawk, and he got us to start with Weatherfords, which is a casing company. So we went and uh, done the casing and, and then obviously uh, learnt the ropes there and we just weren't, I wasn't home much, you know, just uh, I wasn't there to see my kid and when you arrive home and your boy's going, when are you going back to work and you're going tomorrow and he's hanging on to you, it's just like, man, this is hard. So another friend on a rig at the time, uh, Brett Wilton, uh, Brent Wilton, he, um, Brent said, oh, I'll go and speak to the manager there, the, the OIM, and I've got to start. So I got my first solid start with Maersk, and uh, yeah, I went from uh, working on the decks, uh, scrubbing the decks, um, you know, as you do, but the money there was just, it was great. Totally different to what you were getting here? Yeah, oh, yeah. way different. Yeah. But the first struggle that I had was, we're living week to week, and now with Offshore, they were paying month to month. Yeah. So I didn't have that gap or any yeah. money saved. So I just looked at my other best mate, Brian Rocha, he said, look, I'll spot you. And the reason I mention these people's names, because they they're all significant, and you always got to remember the people that help you get there. So he helped us out on that, on that one month uh, tie over. So we moved through the ranks and, and obviously uh, got up to the drill floor. Uh, and yeah, look, it was just 12 hours on, 12 hours off, slog, slog, slog. And, I still didn't really know what I wanted to do. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm in my early 30s. You know, is this the career I want to be? But I had an awesome tool pusher. Johnny Falcon, he goes, why don't you get into safety? I was like, huh? Safety? No one likes a safety bloke. Health and safety, it's, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? He's, he's the bloke that you run away from. Yeah. And, and then the words that I remember him saying is, well, don't be that bloke. Oh, OK. And I said, OK, do you think safety could work? hand in hand with the workers, he goes, well, why don't you try it? So that's how I got, I got my start. So I filled in for uh, uh, an old mate, um, and yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It was something different, computers, and obviously talking to, to people. And So these are skills you never had going in? I sort of knew how to use a computer. I used to sort of fix them before, and, uh, but I never used them to the point of PowerPoint presentations and stuff like that. So Blade was... Um, he was like seven at the time and they were learning at school so he sort of gave me a, a yeah, few tips, a few tips and <laughs> here on how to do my PowerPoint presentations. And then from there it was just, yeah, more education and learning. I mean, uh, with that sort of job it's more common sense. So from there um, we were working for the uh, operator and then one day I get a phone call out of the blue to um, come and work for Shell from a, a, an engineer actually uh, uh, named Callum. Mentioned someone in Shell and they rang me up and lo and behold, yeah, yeah. here we are, seven years down the track. Seven years in yeah. Shell, wow, wow. Yeah. Man, big fella, there's a lot to unpack on that um, and I really just want to go back, man, and focus on, because you didn't come from privilege, you didn't come from, no. nah. So a lot of what you have now is just pure, obviously the connections, good people that you surround yourself with yeah. and your hard work as well. You know, so that's a lot to, to branch off that, but... And I think a lot of it's from people that teach you and who you pick up from, you yeah. know. Um, at times, uh, you attach yourself to people. Yeah. You know, whether it be an older person, male or female, and that's, that's, that's like your mentor. 
So we've had quite a few through these times um, that have obviously got us to where we are today. I mean, I still have people that I look up to today. I mean, I think there's, everyone always needs a mentor. Yeah. For sure. What I want to dive straight into is your expectations having worked in the rigs uh, uh, offshore or in the oil and gas industry. What were your expectations um, going in before you knew anything? Obviously you had the connection yeah. there with Dad. Um, what were your expectations going in and the actual realities of working offshore? Well, well I guess if you, onshore all our mates were all getting jobs in the mines and, that, and they were getting $90,000 and we were like, oh, that is just a dream. So your expectation is just money, money, money. Easy life, would there be no arguing because you're not at home, there'd be no stress, there'd be no worries, money. You didn't really sort of like stop and think what was behind it. <laughs> you know, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't, yeah, you just thought it was all glitz and glamour. You know, oh, they get to stay away, their food's for free, their rooms get cleaned, um, they get to go to work and hang out with their mates and then they get to come home and have all this bulk time yeah. off and they, oh, that's the life that we want. But um, lo and behold, it's not really like that. You know, there, there, there's times up there where uh, you do your 12 hour shift. A lot of people do 12 hours. And then, uh, especially offshore, you're isolated. So you spend your time with your friends afterwards, whether you're, you know, smoking, talking, or exercising, or whatever. When you're offshore, you're isolated. There's no shop you can go to. You know, you've got a phone that you're only allowed a minimum amount of time to talk to your family with. So. <laughs> If everyone would sit in the one place, they'd be talking all the issues that they've had on the phones. And this is like our, our, our self-help group, you know. <laughs> Everyone's in there. They've all got their ideas and their plans. And, you know, you try and learn off them. And you go, well, hang on. Are you the best bloke for me to be listening to? But look, that's all you had. And then when you'd obviously go to your room, that's lonely time. That's the time you got to think. You know, and then you're just like, oh, shut eyes. Got to go to sleep because you've got to get back up and slog it for 12 hours again. Yeah, it's... It's, it's not the best and, you know, if something happens at home, you don't know what's going on. In the mines, it's a bit different. Um, the thing different there, some of them have wet messes, which for me, I'm not a believer in because um, you go there to earn money, not to spend money. But then, you know, a lot of the consensus is, well, what have we got to do? They do have health and wellbeing coaches offshore and onshore. Um, these coaches are into fitness, they can give you diets, but then they can also, for the social side of things, you know, either guide you towards counselling or anything like that. So there are companies that are putting these in place to try and help the person. But at the end of the day, you can talk to that person all your life, but it's that lonely it time back, it comes back, you know, that's, that's when you've got to process and that's the hardest. Um, and being away, you don't know what's happening at home. What are they up to, you know? What did you say on the phone that, maybe could spark something, you know. Oh. And then a lot of the guys, even myself, you got to wonder all day what the next conversation is going to be because what you said before, maybe you've sparked something or, you know, and then everyone feeds off each other with the conversation and then yeah, so on and so on. So, yeah, it's, it's not what it's made out to be, no. The money's good, but it comes at a price. And um, last year alone... We, uh, from our one rig, we lost three people to uh, suicide. Three people. Wow. And these are suicide. people close to you? Yeah, they're, they're people that were on our cruise. People that we knew. You know, for me, I couldn't go to their funerals because I was at work. You know, I'm on the other side of the world. You know, and that's the thing with, uh, with working away. You miss birthdays, funerals, 
I missed my kids' first day of school. My mate took them to his new school, stepped in as a stepping daddy. We, we have stepping daddies. And uh, I missed his graduation. I watched it live on the other side of the world. These are the things, the moments that you'll never get back. I missed my best mate's wedding. You know, you can't get that back. There's the deeper stages in, in, in the actual offshore and the sacrifices that you make. And that's, uh, wow. And it doesn't matter what you do, you can't make it up to them, yeah. you know? Yeah. You can look at photos on Facebook and Facebook's the worst. Because people working away, we watch Facebook because we're watching our lives where we should be a part of it. And we're not there. And it's just, it, it, just, it just causes so much emotions and problems. And, you know, it's good because we, we keep in touch with everyone. But we also but are you still disconnected? Yeah. 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 So how, what, uh, what's your roster at the moment? For myself, I do four and four. Um, that's one of the better ones, yeah? That's the best one. Everyone wants a four and four roster. Um, but some of the guys in the mines, they do um, uh, two-in-ones, three-in-ones. Uh, I know that there is action to try and get equal time, but when moving for equal time for these people, they will get less money. And that's the thing. We're all working for the money. You know, um, I'm working in a, a country that's very rich, but they use workers from different parts of the world, so they're only paid <laughs> very low amounts of money. But, and, and they do long, long stints because of the labour laws. They're doing a two years working then they go home for two months um, our crews do uh, eight weeks on four weeks off it, 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 it's a toll you know and, and one of the things you ask why do you work why do you work oh well to provide provide from the family uh we have uh yeah just to uh, for the bills and really that's what about the lifestyle uh, well the lifestyle is comes as a as a as your earning as your as a package yeah so, you know, if you ask someone from the mines or, or someone from offshore back in the heyday, oh, I work to support my family, I work for my toys, mm -hmm. we call them toys, work for our holidays. But when you work uh, in the country that I do with the people that come from the lower income areas, when you ask them, what do you work for? They work for food and shelter. That's it. Wow. There is no thought in their mind to buy a new car. There is no thought in their head to buy a new house. There is no thought on going on vacation. It's the essentials it's to, bear, to survive. survive. You know, here we are here in Australia. We, we, we do seem a bit entitled. You know, we should get this pay. We should get this bonus rate, this, that, and the other. You know, because we've overcommitted individually yeah. on whatever. Yeah. Um, not planning for the future, some. I mean, that's why you'll see now a lot of people go, oh, I'd love a, a, another boom. But over there, it's... Every day is just trying to put, at the end of the month, they all put money in to feed their families because all their families live together. That's why they have a lot of kids. In the one house? In the, uh, in the one house or in the one, one uh, no, they, they have land and they all build their houses on, so they can all support each other. There might be only two kids that actually work. They have to support everyone. Whereas us, we leave the nest at 17, 16, 17, and then we, we've only got to worry about ourselves. So that's quite a, 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 it's a changing culture, changing appreciation and you sort of like, it gives you another perspective on, on what we're trying to do. Has that really made you appreciate more and be grateful more? More humble. More humble. Like, I'd go over there and, and I was like, when they moved me from offshore to onshore, why am I in this, this is crap, you know, this, I don't want to be here, you know, this is my career. Hang on buddy, this, well, 
take a step back. What is your goal here? To look after the people. You've been sent here for a reason. Your company has chosen you to come to this side for a reason. And then you start working with the people and you go, you know what? Maybe just pull it back a bit. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's quite humbling. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Uh, just, wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. Uh, big fella, just um, run us through the process of the week leading up to when you have to go for your month off. The week leading up to when you have to go away. What's that like? Well, I compare it to a bit here. Like a lot of people, if you've worked with them, then you see them on Sunday. Well, how do you feel? Oh, I've got to go to work Monday. Yeah. You go through that anxiety. Oh, I've got to go to work. What's my week going to be like? Have I done this? Have I done that? And then you go, can't uh, wait to look forward to Friday. For us, the last week, is, I've got to go to work. What have I done? Because I'm going for a month. Is everything in place? So my family doesn't have to worry. Is this done, that done? Whether it's the pool. Um, the bills, just just Everything life in, in general, advice, and ready. have I taken enough for the month ahead for me at work? Have, am I ready for work? Um, you know what's going to happen? Have I covered everything from the month I left? And you, and you do get into that. I call it the Sunday depression that you guys would get four times four times a month. I only get it one time a month, so I only get it six times a year because I'm only working one month on one month off. So it is, I get pretty anxious. Um, my wife says I'm lastminute.com. So I seem to do everything at the last minute. Even though you've got four weeks, three and a half weeks, everything seems to come down to the last few days where you're running around and trying to tick the boxes and then you pack your bags when it starts getting real and then you get that. And my wife says I get um, a bit uh, downy, you know. Um, she goes, oh, mopey, mopey, mopey. Yeah, so for the last few days. Dad's mopey, so you know it's just what it is. Yeah. What challenges does the the ones that you leave behind? What challenges do they go through that you find uh, without you being at home? Well, they have their own lives. You know, the, we live two lives: when I'm home and when I'm away. So when I'm when I'm away, my wife leads the fort. She's a, a strong, independent lady, as she says, and, and my son's sort of self self-independent. They're like two best mates. They do their own thing. The life still goes on for them. The only thing that changes is I'm not in the picture. Yeah. That's the only thing. So they're just so used to it. They just, I mean, yeah, they do miss me, but their life still has to move forward. They've still got their same Monday to Friday or whatever it is that they've got going on. So they built up this uh, uh, resilience to it. You know, they've got to uh, cope on their own. They've got to do their own thing and, and be ready for whatever comes up comes along I guess for, for me I have to realize when I come home I just fit in so you just gotta I have blend to in with I have to yeah, yeah blend in with their life and time. don't come along and say we will do this because I'm home this is I'm the man and ha no you can't be like that and at the end of the day they live their life every day where we we come and go so we have to slot in help where we can help listen when we need to listen that's the biggest thing and sometimes you they don't want your advice. They just want you to listen, <laughs> you know, which is fair enough. You know, it's just the way it is. I'm, I'm pretty lucky, I must say, because, I mean, we've been doing this for a long time and um, any issue that comes along, I have contact every day, so I'm able to organise stuff. I've got good friends. Like My mate had to come and fix me stove but the other day because it blew up and, you know, that's the job that I should be doing. But we're very lucky... If you work FIFO, you build up a family circle and 
if you're away, then there's someone to help out. If you're home and they have something happening while they're away, then you, 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 you just do it. Yeah. Because it's an unwritten code. Yeah. And we have so many good friends around us that work in the FIFO. I've got so many um, uh, best friends that would just step up to the plate. All my wife's got to do is make a phone call. Even though they don't want to make that phone call, make that phone call and someone's going to be there. And, and for me, it makes me feel comfortable while I'm away. Yeah. Could you share with us uh, any other realities that you found in working offshore? I feel, you know, we, we say, oh, I'm only going to do it for five years and then I'll get out, I'll make my money and I'll, I'll be sweet. Never happens. You adjust your life to the amount you earn. So people say, oh, I'm going to put away this much money, this much. You don't. Because then you go, oh, I can buy that, I can buy this, I can buy that. I mean, a lot of people ask me, why don't you go buy another house? Because I ended up buying the house off my best mate. And, Scott, yeah? Uh, yeah, yeah, digger. Call him digger. We worked together for a long time. Um, but yeah, why don't you buy another house? What for? I like this house. And for me, the house has sentimental value. You know, it's, it's where we got through our... It was your step. Uh, we got through our ditch um, as a couple growing with the, the young um, blade and then obviously getting a better life and then because my mate stepped up. Yeah. You know, there's not many times a bloke shakes a hand and goes... You know, so, so a lot of people have overcommitted um, and that's why in this industry uh, now we want a second boom so I think a lot of people would be a lot more smarter because in the last boom, we thought it would keep going. I mean, I did, and I'm sure a lot of other people did. And the thing that they set was this happiness ceiling. Yeah. Explain to us that happiness ceiling. Well, I learned the happiness ceiling from uh, my friend Alistair who works for a, a company, and happiness ceiling is where you set your happiness, you know, that feeling of, you know what, I can buy whatever I want. I can buy that beer and not even worry about it. I can go and buy that car, I can go on holidays, I've got money in the bank, sweet. It's that feeling of, I don't know, accomplishment, you know. I work hard, look, I can do this. But then what happens is when that earning capacity gets taken away, we don't lower our happiness ceiling. We're still waiting for that euphoria from here. So a lot of people from the industry that have come back to work in town and that, they haven't lowered their happiness ceiling to just accept that you've got your bills paid, food in the fridge and clothes on your back and, you, and you're a family they still want oh well I can't do this well I can't do that you know I should be able to do this I used to be able to do that I used to get paid this you don't anymore so we've got to bring it down reevaluate, and see where we're going to go from there well, that, that, that's my interpretation of it yeah. uh, that's good um, just for those who in our audience who aspire to or have a goal to get onto to the rigs and off to, to work offshore what um, cert certifications and uh, courses do you have to do and yeah. who was your contact? Well at the moment obviously there's a big surplus because yeah. there's but more rigs are coming in so a lot of the positions are being filled so to get a start in the industry like any company you have to meet minimum requirements and within the industry it's generally the uh, to go offshore is a helicopter crash course um, and then you do your rigging and lifting uh, and slinging and there's uh, some training programs that can be done all at ERGT uh, here in uh, Jandicott or IFAT. If, uh, for the mines, a lot of the companies are using um, uh, hire companies, uh, job hire companies. So if you go for an application with them, they'll put you in the right direction whether you need certain trainings, this, that and the other. So a lot of the job agencies that are being used at the moment through the uh, uh, mining industry, they're the ones that will steer you in the right direction. 
So a lot of people go, oh, I can't afford that. We've well, got to spend money to make money. And initially, I had no money to pay for my courses. I was very lucky. I was working at Whitford Security at the time, and my boss, Simon, was really good. He allowed me to do the training and work at the, and same, work at the time. same time. So it was the thing that got us through. So, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, if you really want to give it a go, you really got to have a look at investing. But there's a catch yeah. with everything. Big fella, obviously you've got other stuff on the side as well that you do um, in terms of the big fella industry gear and, and other business ventures that you have in that regard. Uh, share with us how, 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 how what made that start? transition. How did it start? Well, we we're back on the Merce Discoverer rig and one of the guys had set up his website and this, that and the other and I said, oh, I want to do something like that. Somewhere where everyone can go and ask for help or, or anything like that. So I started, I registered the name Big Fella as a trademark, uh, b.i.g. Um, started off in safety. No one remembers your name, but they will remember my nickname. Everyone's called me Big Fella, so um, I, I started Big Fella Safety, and it became when I went to Egypt an identity that people could, you know, well, we're, we're all part of Big. It's your brand. Big, you know, so I, I looked at, huh, branding makes, you know, if we all wear a bandana, we might be in different coveralls or anything like that. This one bandana means we're the same. So that's where it all started from, and then we just started into the sports clothing, and then we, I got asked to sponsor people, and I was like, I've got no clue about sponsoring. Man, I'm a married boy from Gisborne. What do I know about sponsoring? Um, so all, all we did, we looked at the factors. Um, uh, we're big. Uh, we're not the Flash's company. We don't have the Flash logo or the Flash money, but we'll give it the best go we can, and we'll try and help you out where we can whether it's a couple of bucks, clothing, or people that we can put you in contact with. Just help anyone, really. So we've come in good contact with um, uh, a We Are One, which is an uh, agency here to support the homeless. Okay. So we, we do a bit of work with them, which is great. Um, and then also with um, some sports people, uh, some known and some not. Oh, I mean, you know, we all got to start from somewhere. Uh, we've got... Uh, couple of people that jump out of planes and parachute, you know, it's, uh, I think it's just cool seeing your name. <laughs> I, think, I think it was someone that you helped uh, to take across to America and she, she made it big. Oh yeah, well, we, yeah. we helped her when she was first starting, just, you know, What's like boxing in Thailand. Oh, Bang Bang Lulu. Bang Bang Lulu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Louise Horton, she's, uh, she uh, helped her, um, just, she's just an awesome friend, she's like a family to us, you know, and uh, She's uh, number one, uh, she won her world title. Um, she's a machine. Um, I mean, I wish we could just help her more, but she's um, signed up now. And like I said to her, girl, when you get signed up, you go with whatever you need to do and uh, we'll always be here. Um, we always have that, that, that connection, um, you know. At the end of the day, whatever you need, just put your hand up. If we can help, we'll, we'll try and shuffle things around. Because if you know, I've mentioned different people's names through this discussing with you. So I remember all those people that have helped me along the way. So we've got to pay it forward. You know, we're, we're not the richest. Oh, hell no, we haven't got pockets full of cash. But what we do have is a heart full of, you know, thankfulness and love uh, that we can give out. And for me, I think that's most important. Yeah, people will say, well, you can't pay bills on love. Yeah, but you know, at least. But you can, you go, to, you can go to sleep at night peacefully. Like my mum says, as long as you can lay straight in bed. And my nan always say, or my nan always said, do unto others 
as your light done onto yourself. And I'll always remember that. Beautiful. Um, man, that's, and that's a lot of what I'm feeling from you is that giving nature um, and how important it is to help others before you help, help you know, and, and, and connecting other people that you may know that may be able to help them in those situations. So as a, almost like a, one question before we part is, what three life lessons um, that um, you can share with our audience in terms of lessons that you've learned and that you've incorporated that's helped you or people that you've rubbed shoulders with yep. that you've found that um, have, has helped you in your, in your journey? Well, for me, number one is give it 100%. Don't go in things half-assed. Oh, I'll just do it like this just to get by. Go 100%. The reason being is that's who you are, you know. If, you, if you're going to put the effort in to do it, give it 100%. 100% all the way. Forgive and let go. Forgive and let go. You know, because a lot of people hold grudges, man. I didn't get this job. I didn't get that. I didn't get that. Even your uh, uh, discussions, let's call them discussions that you have with your partners or anyone, sometimes you've just got to forgive and let go. Because if you hold that, that's going to resist you moving or, or hold you back getting to that next level. It really is. You know, oh, I'm not doing it because of this, that, and the other. Hang let it go. You know, frozen. Yeah. Let it go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, frozen. Move forward. Yeah, move on. Yeah. It, it, you can't just hold on to these yeah. things, bottle them up. It's just going to yeah. inhibit, obviously, you becoming Your growth. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then, um, obviously, third is don't ever stop learning. Okay. Don't ever stop learning and growing as a person. You know, you never, I learn every day. You know, yeah. I've even learned just sitting there talking to yeah. yourself on a, on, a, on a few things, you know. Um, be open, obviously, as part of learning. Don't think, oh, I know, I know, I know. Always we, be a student. <laughs> always be a the only, the only person that knows everything is Google. Or Siri, or that's Siri. it. Siri. Everyone else you know? should just learn as they go. Yeah, I, you know, you need to take on a little piece from everyone else. I mean, we all take our learnings. We could all be learning the same job from five different people. Take your learnings, make it your own, and then obviously move forward on it. And don't ever give up, really. Don't ever give up. Nice. And parting with, uh, with that, thanks, big fella. Where's, where's, what does the future lie for you? And where, where do you see yourself in the next uh, you know, five years? Let's say. <laughs> Maybe still in the sandpit, working over there, helping people. I, I, feel, I feel my job there is not done. I get pretty attached, you know, like, in my, in my nightclub days, I just, I love this family so much, JP and all the Palmers helping them out. But then I, I just go, well, hang on, can I do this for the rest of my life? We, they will still be there, we'll still love each other, let's just move on to the next thing. And at the moment, it's my crews, the people there. Have I, have I, have I accomplished what I want to accomplish? I, I, I don't know, but I'm either going to be doing it over there or here. Whereas I find if I come back here to work, a lot of the people who are all, they're, they're all working for that mullah. The and they, yeah. they, 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 you know, whereas I feel where I am, we're working for something different. They're working for, for the same here, but it's just something really different and, and the personal connection with the people because attached to that person is 10 other people sitting at home in a village or, or something like that. And they all live by the phone you know, on Skype and I don't know, that, I don't know. Maybe someone's going to tap me on the shoulder and go, your time's done or, or whatever and I'll probably be still over there in the sandpit if you ask me. But, I mean, one thing I, I will have to say is with helping people and that, we also have to remember 
not to forget our families. Because we, 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 a lot of people focus going this way and we forget those who are beside us holding us up. Yeah. And you notice a lot of people in careers are like that as well. You know, I've had my career, so a lot of people in careers are just focused career, career, career. And we forget, you know, the people that actually hold us together. So I think that's a good message to remember. It doesn't matter how fast you're going, you just got to look back every now and then to, one, appreciate those that have helped you got there and remember it, and then obviously be with your family and give them the support that you seem to be giving everyone else as well. Just in parting, big fella, is there a message that you want to give across or um, to our audience, um, just from your heart, that you, you know, that you could say, "Hey guys, I'm in the game. I'm in this this industry. It's not what it you what you think it is." But uh, is there a parting message you'd like to send out yeah, there? Yeah, I look. I mean, I mean, since we're talking about FIFO and how we got into it, uh, to the people out there, it's not what you think. Um, you all have that goal in your head on, on money and you're going to do this, do that and the other. Also have a backup plan. Yeah, Make, Always have a backup plan because sometimes this, this goal might not be as quick as you want it to be. But you might have to start in a position that you don't want to be. But the reason is you've got to step on those stones to get there. It's not just all oh, magic and you're, and you're there. You have to work from the ground. Ah, and like my mother used to say, you've got to start from washing the dishes. I never used to like washing the dishes at KFC, but I became a manager because I started from the ground up. At the end of the day, that's what people have to remember. You're not going to get that glamorous job. You do have to start from scrubbing the floor and doing the dishes. But also, you know, appreciate those who help you get there. Um, go up on your own accord, on your own skill set. You know, you get a lot of people, they get their positions from who they associate with a hanger out, you know, you know what I mean, but at the end of the day, at least if you go up on your own skill set and you can be appreciated for who you are as a person, then you know you're doing right. Yeah, that's it. Backfella, thank you so much. Appreciate it, eh? I really do. Anytime.